LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to Ask Me Anything with Pastor J.D. Greer. Honest questions, quick answers. I'm your host, Todd Unzicker, and this is where J.D. Greer says, Ask Me Anything. This is Ask Me Anything with Pastor J.D. Greer. Honest questions, quick answers, where Pastor J.D. says, ask me anything, and he tackles today's toughest theological, ethical, and moral issues. Pastor J.D., we're going to uh, follow up. Uh, Last uh, episode, we asked about, uh, is white privilege real? Mm -hmm. Um, Here, a lot of questions started coming in was, how should Christians respond to a police shooting? Yeah, this is kind of where the rubber hits the road, and I'll just give you a little context for how we experience that here at the church. Um, there's some really tragic event where somebody um, is 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 shot in the middle of some kind of altercation by the police, and they turn out to be unarmed. And then there's all these questions about were they threatening the police officer was or or did that happen because police officers have a propensity to shoot um, black boys, black men more quickly than they would somebody else. And the dilemma becomes because, you know, it's, you know, some of our, our, our brothers and sisters of color you know, have helped me understand that it's hard to separate this one particular incident from past incidents. And we do know if you go back in history, especially in the Jim Crow era and before that, you've got, you know, police that definitely would. I mean, whether, you know, it's as extreme as lynching or just, you know, hey, this is the color you are, so we're going to suspect these things about you, that it's hard not to read that into this moment and say there's still this legacy of, of a white privilege of the assumption of innocence, whereas if you're you're black or you're a person of color, the the assumption you're up to something sinister. And so, um, you know, there's kind of this pressure immediately to come out and say, um, here's another example of this happening, and we've got to you know work to remove these prejudices and this privilege and this bias that exists. I mean, in our, I, I'm our a system. white guy, and I feel that. I mean, I see that on the news, and I say, oh. Here we go again. Right, that's right. Um, and then you got on the other side. If you know people in your church that are police officers, mm-hmm. man, I mean, they got into this police officer job because they wanted to serve their community, and this is a way of loving their fellow men. And and they don't, you know, enter this with bias, and and they, you know, they deserve the benefit of the doubt. They they deserve the presumption of innocence. And and there's a part of me that kind of wants to go slow and say, well, let's let's give the legal process time to work, and let's. Mm-hmm. Let's see if this person is really innocent. And we know in our society, it's 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 unjust to presume somebody guilty until they've been presumed guilty. And shouldn't that apply to this right. police officer? So what what do you do? Because if you rush out and you say, "Here's another example," and they turn out to be innocent, then you've been unjust to the police officer. But if you don't say anything, it's like you know you're just you're you're treating this like it's an isolated incident and not part of a, a larger a larger issue that has this legacy in it. And you know you need to realize when we're talking about this that sometimes it's more than just like one police officer who happens to have a little discrimination bias in his heart, you know, um, uh, treating more harshly or, or, or shooting somebody that's African-American. Sometimes it's things in the system itself that seem weighted against you know, certain demographics. For example, I've heard people refer to how um, the penalties that were given for crack and cocaine were different. Um, crack is, is, is a drug a lot more common in the African-American community, and cocaine was a lot more in the white community, whereas for cocaine, if you get convicted of that, there was a, lots of exceptions and ways that you could uh, be on probation, whereas there was a, more of a zero-tolerance policy. And, and it, they rightfully raised the question. It, it sure looks like 
that the, uh, the, the, the privileges and the, the probation were given on things that were in, you know, that affected the white community versus the ones that uh, affected the black community. Some have raised the question about opioids. Uh, you know, that, that's something that's more prevalent in the white community, but the, the punishments are not nearly as stringent or as harsh. That's not the only example, but there are, are, are places where questions like that really need to be asked of, have we developed a system um, have people that have been in power develop a system that benefits them and their children and people like them um, intentionally or unintentionally in ways that are not fair to people of, of all demographics and, and, and all races in our country? So practically, what do you do? Um, George Yancey, who I mentioned on one of our previous podcasts, is a professor down at, um, at North Texas University and has become a good friend. African-American brother, he's spoken here at our church, and he just said, he said, you know what you can do is you can lament that we, that we still live in a racialized society where this is still a question. Mm. He said that, that, that race and the color of our skin still defines people enough that you, uh, you, you wonder, was that a factor that made the policeman pull the, the trigger just a, a fraction of a you know, hair quicker than he would have it. Like privilege, we talked, referencing right. privilege, we talked about in a previous podcast. Right, and that's not to say that he, he, the policeman did. They, they may not have, but but we, we can lament that, that we still have that question. Yeah. And it's undoubtable we still live in a racialized society, right? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, we uh, you say you, you live in a white neighborhood or a black neighborhood or Hispanic part of town. Nobody ever says, you know, oh, you live in a tall neighborhood or you live in a red-haired neighborhood. It's Race is still a defining thing to people, and it right. still carries with it a, 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 a set of assumptions that people often have, you know, going into it. I pointed out in the previous podcast that, you know, they did this study, um, this guy, um, I think I said New York Times, but I actually think it was The Atlantic now that I think about it. It was a guy that wrote in The Atlantic, and he said that, um, that you know, uh, when they did a study of people who move into multicultural neighborhoods, so these are people that are like trying to, you know, they want to live multicultural lives. They still would gravitate just toward people that look like, like them. And so when it comes to, you know, that set of assumptions or that set of you know, being attracted to or drawn to people like you, when the people that are in power in business and the people that are in power in the legal system are going to naturally, it seems, extend um, benefits and privileges and assumptions of innocence and assumptions that they're not there to cause harm to people that look like them. And what is that like for somebody that is not that is not white, not part of the majority culture? What what do they experience that like? And what we said last time is that is that is that privilege is like a, a right. You don't want to see a right taken from one person and given to another. You want to see it extended to everybody. Um, you want to see the same privileges you know, ex- lived out and, and experienced in our society. And so what we want to do is get to be a society where, where by God's grace, that's no longer really a question. I mean, just think about it. I mean, I, I, this is very sobering, but if, if your son or my son was tragically shot on accident by a police officer, the last thing that I want to do is question whether well, that happened because he was mm. white. I want to know that whatever it was, that that really wasn't a factor. And so we, we weep when these things happen, but we want to get to a place where it's it's no longer really an issue. So what I mean, you know, that is that's a sobering you know thing to just think through here for a second. Let's 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 walk through that for our listeners. How should we think about that when there's a shooting? Right. Um, we're going to weep with those who weep. We're going to mourn with those who mourn. Um, George Yancey uses this. He said, imagine that um, uh, this woman had grown up in the home um, as a girl with a father who was really abusive and beat her mother. And she saw this happen, you know, frequently. And she saw just her mother just battered. Well, um, she, you know, leaves the home. She gets married to a, a great guy who 
is you know not abusive toward her and is loving toward her. And one day she is walking home and she overhears an argument, a really loud argument in one of the neighbors' houses. And she comes back in and she's into you know her home and she's weeping and she's telling her husband, you know, stay away from me. Um, you know, and she's just just traumatized by this. Um, it's gonna even though the husband in that situation didn't necessarily do anything wrong himself, it's certainly gonna help him in loving his wife mm. to understand, you know, why she why why seeing that may have triggered all these other things in her. And so you're not assuming the husband is 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 guilty, but you are encouraging him to 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 walk forward with empathy and say, understand that it's hard for your wife just to turn off everything that happened in the past and not read this present situation in light of it. And that's something that you know is instructive for me in, in there realizing that, hey, maybe even if I've gotten over my own senses of discrimination and privilege, right. even if I've gotten past that, I still am, am dealing with 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 people who have a legacy and a history of of injustice and woundedness that not only has you know shaped some of the communities they live in now, but it's left this this legacy of of, of question and suspicion. And I, honestly, I can understand why. I, I would probably be in that same position of saying, well, is this person still being motivated by this factor? Because we know that in the past, it really, it really was. Mm-hmm. So what I hear you saying, um, extend grace, um, weep with those who weep, be slow to speak and quick mm-hmm. to listen. That's ask, right. Ask people of color how they're processing when these Yeah, the two operative words that are helpful to me that has always popped my mind are empathy and charity. Um, both both empathy and charity are going to apply to both groups, majority culture or minority culture. But let's think empathy in terms, let's apply that to the majority culture first, because I want to try to understand why you, why you are feeling the emotions you're feeling right now, what questions this raises in you. I want to see this as if I walked in your shoes and saw it with your eyes. That's Galatians 6.2, bearing one another's burdens. Mm. Charity. Charity applies also to both, you know, both sides of the conversation, but let's apply this first to those in the minority community. Let's 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 as much as we can try to extend the benefit of the doubt, a charitable interpretation, until we can. Let's not assume that there were necessarily you know racist motivations. Let's as much as we can, especially within the church, let's assume the best about somebody else's motives. Um, I'm not talking about being naive because there's a time when you have to say, "Hey, I really do think this was motivated by you know uh, a racialized ideology," but but as much as we can, especially within the church, that we just live with empathy and charity toward each other. And then when there are these kinds of questions and disagreements, and we, we listen to each other honestly with empathy and charity. And and we may not come out seeing everything exactly eye to eye, but I think we'll be in a lot better place in this discussion than simply the the social media, yep. you know, lobbing grenades back and forth and you yep. don't understand and well, you're playing the race card and all that kind of stuff. Right. Empathy and charity, I think, would guide us forward. And what you said, being quick to spear, quick to speak. <laughs> The opposite of that, quick to hear and slow to speak. If there were ever a place to apply that verse, it would be in these kinds of, of conversations. Well, there you go. And next time, sadly, we pray, um, we would ask that our listeners would join us in praying that we never see this again. Amen. But when we do see it again, that we would respond with empathy and charity, especially uh, to our brothers and sisters of uh, of color who are going to be seeing this through a different set of lenses than than maybe those of us in the majority culture. If you're listening to this, um, my guess is that you um, want a church or to be a part of a faith community that is both deep and wide, deep in the theological truths of scripture and wide that is inclusive of all peoples that uh, every tribe and tongue would worship the name of Jesus. Well, our very own Summit Network is now accepting applications 
for the 2019-2020 Church Planting Residency. This is a 10-month residency with a handful of other pastors who are preparing to plant churches in cities all over the world. So you can learn more about this residency and begin the application process at thesummitnetwork.com forward slash plant uh, for the 2019-2020 Summit Network residency. thesummitnetwork.com forward slash plant. I am Todd Unzicker. I am your host. This is Ask Me Anything. Honest questions, quick answers with Pastor J.D. Greer. We look forward to joining us next time on the podcast.